Hey, it's really good to be here, and um, beautiful morning flying into nice, clear, beautiful Dunedin. Been, been a tad cold down here, has it? Yeah. Oh, good. It's fine. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, um, just uh, I'm uh, just a bit of an. I'm speaking here tonight, and I just uh, can I. Uh, just pick up that theme of uh, what Pastor Desiree said around the whole thing of maybe the sense of battle and stuff. So can I encourage you tonight if, to come out? If uh, I just want to kind of, I think God wants to inspire some people actually to break through in some battles and not just individually, but like, come on, we want to take this city for Jesus. And what are we batting, uh, kind of heading up against some of that and kind of, kind of going, no, I'm not prepared to accept the status quo. Come on, we want to see some breakthroughs in that. So, um, going to talk about that tonight. But this morning, um, I want to talk about, it's already out there, a bit of an odd-looking subject. Maybe I'll shift this out. Hardship. That sounds a bit depressing, doesn't it? Maybe this is to get you ready for next Saturday if the Highlanders lose. No, no. Oh, oh, no, no. Oh, terrible thought. Uh, definitely not. Um, but, um, Interesting topic around uh, kind of, and again, this is maybe this other side of what uh, Pastor Desiree's uh, talked about this morning, the sense of, um, you know, just God wanting to come and minister and, and uh, touch us around areas that we're struggling with in our own lives. So I don't know, here's a bit of a definition if you flick up the next slide. What, is, what do I mean by hardship? Just things like hard circumstances of life, a thing hard to bear, a source of discomfort or suffering, something that makes your life more difficult or unpleasant, something that causes un- ongoing persistent suffering or adversity, something like that. That's a bit depressing, eh? But so here, yeah, I want to do, I ask you, I don't know, this might be real uncool down in Dunedin, but um, just no one's looking. So can I ask you to do something? When I studied um, adult education, they taught us this little trick to kind of get a read where a group was at. So so can, can everyone just kind of go with me for a minute? So can everyone put their arm out like this with your thumb out like that? Okay, cool. So this is your, this is your hardship in the dial, okay? This is your hardship dial. So if, um, with a thumb. So if every part, every single part of your life is sweetness and light and everything is fantastic, then you'd be straight up like that. Like everything is wonderful. But maybe if there's like one relationship, there's just a bit of a challenge or difficult, you know, one of the kids is just a bit, or the mother-in-law or the boss or at work, you know, there's an employer that's a bit, you just got a bit of hassle or employee, then the thumb would kind of drip, dip a little bit. And then if there's a few of those, then it's starting to dip some more. And just if there's some more areas of your life that would be characterized by just they're, just a disc, they're uncomfortable or awkward or difficult, you're dipping down more. And, and, right, and if every single area of your life sucks, then it would be straight down. <laughs> so give me an idea where, whereabouts are we in the, in the flow. Yeah, it's rough. My average is about... Okay, cool. You put it. Did anyone have their thumb straight up? Almost. Who? Was there someone? She's a legend. Okay, that's good. Okay. There's often one or two like that, but that's... A... So isn't that interesting? Uh, maybe one or two are all, what, definitely almost like that. The rest of us, we actually got... Actually, all the rest of us, there's at least one area of our life generally more, there was quite a few kind of level-ish, that we actually have some areas that are just, um, 
they're just uncomfortable or awkward or challenging or difficult. And it's like, ah, what, what do we do about that? Even how do we think about that from a Christian point of view? Where's God in those areas where it's not all fantastic? And, and how does God want us to think about that? How do, this morning, how does he want to minister into our lives around those areas of our lives which are just a bit uncomfortable or awkward or unpleasant? And, um, and I want to look at a, a little verse in the Bible. It's only four words to suggest a way to think about this. That's depressing, eh? Like I was all right. I thought I came to church to feel happy. Now you started talking about hardship, and now you put this up. It's like it's going from bad to worse. Endure hardship as discipline. Like, ah, uh, really? Like, ah. Uh. Let me just suggest to you that ha- how many of us hear that is not what it's me- what it's actually saying. I want to unpack that in a minute, but to go. It's an invitation to think about discipline and, uh, and think about hardship and endure it as thinking about discipline. Let, just to make it even worse, flick up the next one. That's the rest of the verse. Like, oh, I was feeling quite good till I came to that. Praise was kind of good. And now, like, really? Endure hardship as discipline? God is treating you as his children? Like does, let me tell you why I think that we mishear that, because we often hear the word discipline as punishment, that when we discipline someone, we're punishing them. Um, and, and even, I guess, in a workplace, you know, if you have a disciplinary meeting, it's because something you've done something wrong and you're being punished. But if you think about it from a parent's point of view, disip- punishment might be one small part of discipline and not a very effective part. Discipline is about building, uh, building structure and capacity into people's lives that wasn't there before. If punishment is to do with offense, discipline is really to do with impulsivity. Discipline is about, discipline is not, you don't discipline your children by whacking them, especially in New Zealand now, but you, um, but you discipline your children by, no, come on, you've got to take your plates and put them in the dishwasher, you need to make your bed, you know, you need to go to school. You're building discipline into their lives by until they have picked it up internally, someone external, uh, in a sense, f- forces them to, to not just go with what they feel like doing. And, 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 and the invitation of this writer is think about hardship as something that forces you to put something into your life that you wouldn't do if everything was just sweet. So I got a friend um, in Christchurch, he was t- he's got a little son who's just turned five, There's, his name's George, the boy, and it, the guy was telling me, he said, oh, uh, George just started school, so the first day of school, gets up, they wear a little uniform, puts on his uniform, heads off to school, comes to school, comes home, the next day, um, my mate says, um, George comes out from his room in the morning and he's wearing his civvies. I mean, he's not wearing his uniform. And he goes, and his dad goes, George, what are you doing? And he said, Dad, all they do at school is learn and learn and learn and learn. I'm not going back. <laughs> and I said, you know, how did you break it to him? Like, kid, this is the next 15 years of your life. <laughs> you know, but... But the discipline that, oh, I don't, I'm stay, you know, I'm over school after one day of it. No, the discipline that you keep going back, and it's not just, and it's like discipline forces us to dig deep and put something in place that we may not necessarily want to do. 
or choose to do or just feel like doing, but it builds something into us until we've picked it up. And, and the writer here says, hardship is like that in our lives. You know, if you've got all the money in the bank, when you go to the supermarket, you're chucking in some extra chocolate and some treats and some extra wine and nice mean, and, and it's like, it's great. But, but when, you're, when you're under a time of financial hardship, what do you do? You've got the calculator and you've got the list and you're just finding the specials and, and it forces a discipline into your shopping that's not there when you're not under hardship. And it's like that with all hardship. When, you know, if you, uh, if you have a, a child that things are just difficult with, suddenly your default, like, cruisy way of parenting doesn't work, and you've got to think, I don't know what to do with this. It's just not working, and I've got to, I've got to get some input. I've got to dig deep. I've got to think about how I parent. I've got to think about what I do. I'm, I'm forced to put something into my life that's just not there when it's like it's all sweet. The same at work. If I'm struggling with uh, someone at work, it's not just impulsive what I feel like saying. I've got to think about what I say. I've got to think about how I relate to them. And if I don't, then I'll have to think about living with the consequences if I'm just shooting out of my mouth and stuff there. But you see what I mean? Hardship forces discipline because we're forced out of our comfort zone. We're forced into a place where we go, I don't know what to do here. Help me. I've got to dig down and I've got to learn something and put it into place even though it just doesn't naturally come. And, and the writer here says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. Have a look at it in context if you flick up um, the whole chapter. Part. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? Okay, so God's a loving father. He wants to build into our lives. This writer is saying, think about the hard things that come along as the things that God, our loving Father, uses to build into our lives. He's not saying he sent them. He's not saying he's definitely not saying he's punishing us. He's not even saying he sent, he's saying, but he uses them to build capacity into our lives that we might not like because it's just painful at the time. But it, it's what builds something. I dare to say that the best of who you are has come through what was built into your life in the hard times. So where, where were we? Carry on to the next one. So that carry, they disciplined us for a while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. Oh my goodness. The thing that's being built into my life as I wrestle with how I handle hardship is holiness. I share in the holiness of God. Because of wrestling with, I just don't know how to parent this kid. She's driving me nuts. I don't know how to relate to this boss at work. I don't know how to relate to this other guy on my sports team. I don't know, I don't know how to succeed as a student at uni. God, help me. He's building holiness into our lives. We're on holy ground when we talk about what God is building into our lives in times of hardship. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. 
Nobody wants to not, everyone just wants to do what feels good and natural and live comfortable. But when I'm forced to go out of autopilot and be intentional because this is out of my comfort zone, something is being built into my life. And I'm forced to make choices that, no, I won't get bitter, no, I won't lash out, I've got to dig deep and act against what comes naturally, what comes impulsively, and God, through that, builds holiness into our lives. Some of you, God's just making sense of some stuff you've been through the last few years. He's been building holiness in your life. Later on, however, it produces a a harvest of righteousness and peace. Oh my goodness, the peace, the wholeness that comes, comes through, because I went through a time that wasn't peaceful. But as I wrestled with that, as I dug down, as I let God build something, I, I come out more conformed to the holiness of God and His righteousness and a person of peace. For those who have been trained by it. Isn't that interesting? It's something that trains us, that shapes our behavior. This is like training at a gym. I don't like, you know, you don't do the running, the exercises, whatever, because they feel good. You do it because you're being trained by it. And God uses hardship to train us. It's so brave. Okay, flick out the next one. So I, I just want to look at this verse. Is that right? I just want to go through one word at a time. Four words. And look at what is this actually saying? What's the invitation about to, from God to think about this? So flick up the next one. So the, the fourth one. We'll start at the end and work back. So discipline. I've, mentioned, I've kind of already unpacked that because I didn't want to leave you hanging for too long. It's not punishment. Uh, that is about building into our lives. Flick up this next one. I found this little chart. You might... You know, that punishment versus discipline. Punishment is about inflicting penalty for an offense. Discipline is about training for correction and maturity. I, I'm being trained for maturity by this process. That's dis, discipline is not punishment. Discipline is building maturity into me. Um, you know, the focus of punishments on past misdeeds, the future, the focus of, of discipline is on future correct ads. Acts, the attitude, hostility and frustration from the parent versus love and concern. I don't discipline you because I'm angry with you and punish you. I discipline you because I want you to become a whole mature person. I'm not being loving if I go, oh, my mate went, oh, that's fine, George, if you don't want to go to school on the second day, just do what feels like. No, no, because I want you to succeed in life. I've got to put that discipline into you till it's put inside of you and you carry it, George, and you go on and succeed in life. You see what I mean? It's about, uh, it's someone out of love puts it on you until it's built into you. Because they care for you and want the best for you. You know, and the final one, the resulting emotion, fear and guilt versus security. If you look up the next one, I, I th- I, this really sums it up. Punishment is something that happens to someone or is done to someone. Discipline is something built into someone. And I do it for you until it's built into you as a parent. Makes sense? And, and, and this writer to the Hebrews says, 
Hardship is the process that God uses to build into us. Now, I did some of this stuff by searching on the internet. You can't search on the internet too long without finding pictures of cute kittens, right? So here's a picture of a kitten that summarizes discipline. I think that's a great picture of discipline. Like the dogs have got the discipline that they don't do what's natural because someone has built into them the capacity to not be distracted by the kitten, okay, who gets to live on being cute as opposed to being mauled by 15 dogs. Okay, next one. So, um, you know, and this whole thing I mentioned before, we won't go back over it, but down this thing, this, I can do this, look at that, with my finger, trained, um, shadows, who, that this is something that tr- discipline is training. I'm in training. What do you do? I don't, I don't really do. Like, my wife likes running half marathons. God only knows why, but she does. So she trains. She does something out of her comfort zone. It's not about whether she feels like getting up and running in the morning. Or like, she's training that forms something in her that creates the capacity then to run the half marathon. God trains us through the hard things that come along our way. It's what forms us. It's what builds something. It's what builds muscle, spiritual muscle. Okay, next one. Uh, just to be clear, the little word as, that uh, means uh, simile. It's not even saying, it's, not only is it not saying it is punishment, it's not even saying it is discipline. It's like treat it as it. This is a helpful way to think about it. It's not like God has deliberately sent this to me to make me miserable. It's like stuff happens in life because we live in a broken world where pain and suffering happens. And and the invitation is treat this as discipline. Treat this as, because we're so often like, have I done something wrong? What's the answer? How do I get the breakthrough? And those are all important questions. But the first question is this, God, what are you going to build in my life as I wrestle with this? What are you training into my life through me having to wrestle with this? How are you building spiritual muscle and capacity in my life as I look for the breakthrough over this thing? But the invitation is to go, God, you're a loving father. You're not doing this at me because I'm angry. You, you not not only have you not only you're not even necessarily sending. Sometimes stuff happens just because we live in a world of brokenness. Sometimes stuff happens because other people make bad choices. Sometimes stuff happens because we make bad choices. But for whatever reason, I find myself in one of those situations which is less than ideal. The writer says, "Think about it as something that God would use to build something into your life." He hasn't abandoned me. He's with me and near me. And it invites me to grow into something, to stretch, to build stuff. Okay, next one, hardship. Endure hardship. It's a funny, bit of a funny word. I know, you know, a lot of us, it's like, oh, well, my life was miserable or whatever. And then I found Jesus. And then my life was wonderful. And then I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And since then, it's been all sweetness and light. I don't know where we get that idea because maybe one, there was one or two people here, but the rest of us go, it hasn't quite played out like that so far. And when you look in Scripture, it doesn't play out like that. Let me just show you some verses from 
after, so the book of Acts and the letters, so this is after Jesus' death and resurrection, the defeat of the powers, after the coming of the Holy Spirit, to show that they still experience hardship. So it's not that surprising. It's our experience, and it's the biblical story. That hardship is part of Christian life. Okay, let me just show you. So, so this is about Paul, to strength, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Ah, oh, I thought the kingdom of God just came and removed the hardship. You mean we've got to go through hardship to take the purpose of God for us? We, grant, we take that by going through hardships? Somehow we often, I don't know how we often pick up this idea, oh, if it's God's will, it's going to work out easily? Like, I'm sure this is God's will. Why hasn't it gone smoothly? It's a funny idea. He, and he's like, where did we ever get that idea? We live in a spiritual battle. We live in a fallen world. We would lay hold of the purpose of God only through hardships. Be encouraged. <laughs> because there's nothing more scary than thinking something has gone wrong. When things are hard, that I've lost the way, that, that God has abandoned me, that, I've let, that God has disappointed in me or something, that I don't have enough faith, that something is wrong. So the encouragement is, this is normal Christianity. You know, he said this, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. You're leading me there, but you're telling me it's going to be hard? Oh, it's kind of like, oh, somehow I've got to change my thinking that if it's God's will, it's going to work. I mean, if it's God's will, it's probably going to be opposed. It's going to butt up against opposition. It's going to butt up against hardship. And you're going to have to dig deep, and God's going to use that in his sovereignty and mystery. He'll use that to form us, to better prepare us, to take hold of the very thing that he's called us to. It's like the chicken breaking out of the egg. It's like the butterfly breaking out of the cuckoo. The very exercise of breaking through, pushing through the hardship, is what makes us the people that could step into the new reality that he wants to give for us. This is your destiny. The hardship is just forces the blood through the wings to push out and take hold and let you fly. He hasn't abandoned you. It's hardship. Go on to the next one. Um, Romans 8, the famous passage about who, you know, what will separate us from the love of Christ, shall trouble or hardship. Hardship is not a sign that he's left you. Hardship is not a sign that he doesn't love you. Hardship is just a fact of life he wants you to know that that could never separate you from his love. That he loves you. You know, I, lo this, I find this one really interesting, 2 Corinthians 6. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance and troubles, hardship and distresses. He's saying the hardships that we went through, actually, here's the thing. The hardships are not a badge of shame. They're your badge of honor. They're what is a sign that commends you that I have walked through this thing. I've come through. I'm still going. We've come out the other side. You walk tall in church because your hardships are your testimony. I went through this thing. It was hard, but we walked through. God helped us. We had to dig deep. We had to get help. But God enabled us, and we're still standing here. And Paul said, that's what commends us to the churches. 
Not my absence of hardship, but how I've prevailed through hardship. They're your badge of honor. They're your testimony. They're what give you credibility. Next one. Next one. And, you know, that's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships. For when I am weak, I'm strong. It's like when I'm in my comfort zone, it's all good, and I just cruise along. But when I face hardships, it's like, God, I need you. God, I don't know what to do here. God, I'm out of my depth. I'm out of my comfort zone. Paul says that's a good space to be in. When you need God, because I haven't walked this way before. No, he... Um, I might have shared some of this before. We've, I've got three kids. I have a great relationship with them all now. But two of them were just real easy. Like at my, def, our, my default personality just worked for them. The middle one, it was like there was just, it was just some difficult, difficult years. And it was like, I don't know how to parent this child. And, uh, and I had to dig that. And God helped me. And we had to get advice. And we went to family counseling and all kinds of things because I was out of my comfort zone. But I needed God, and we've seen him come through. Okay, uh, you know, and he, surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone. Again, it's part of his credibility as a Christian and as a minister that he's someone who works hard through hardship and keeps going. That other people can look to and go, they're not just a wimp, they're not tossed around, they're actually strong and they persevere. And man, they've been through some hard times, but they just keep going. I want to know the secret of that, kind of. Okay, next one. And uh, getting towards the end of the Bible, you know, keep your head in all situations. This is a general advice to a minister. Keep your head in, this is great advice, eh? Like, this is Paul, one sentence, here's my advice to young minister. Keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and discharge all the duties of your ministry. Don't spin out. Just keep going, man. Keep focused on winning people and be faithful in doing what you need to do. But endure, like keep going. And then Revelation 2, 3, one of the letters to one of the churches, you have persevered and have endured hardships for my name. I don't know if you noticed the, the word that comes with hardship. Endure hardship. You have endured hardship, which leads to, if you flick up the next one, it's the same word as Hebrews. How do you, what do you do about hardship? You, you just endure. You just keep going. We, we want the answer for God to make it go away, but there's three times the same word, endure it, endure it. Keep going, keep going, keep on walking. Don't stop. Don't throw your toys out of the cot. Don't give up. Don't just keep going. And again, interesting, if you flick up the next one, this word just means to suffer something difficult or unpleasant in a patient way over a long period, to undergo hardship, strain, privation without yielding, to last or continue to exist, to last for a long time. Wow. Hardship and then just endure. Just keep going. Just keep going. You know, uh, um, I hadn't really planned to talk about this, but I talked about, uh, so we have a great relationship with all of our, our kids, but our middle daughter, it was like when she turned 12, someone threw the switch in her brain and we became the enemy somehow. 
And it kind of went downhill from there till uh, when she was 15, she ran away from home, um, dropped out of school, didn't live with us for several years, pregnant at 18, baby, and came back to live with us with the baby when she was 19. Um, but just dark, yes, he's now 23. Just and, and so again, just keep chipping away. I love you, I love you, I love you. Last year she started saying back, I love you too, Dad. And, and now, and then just this year, she just got this, three weeks ago, got this amazing job. You know that verse about the, lo- the years the locusts stole away? For the first time in my, I've, my life I've seen it happen. She got a job as a town planner. She dropped out of school at 15. She's got no qualifications. She started work as a young mum in the city council consents department just because she's bright she she just did well her boss said you should apply for this job she beat out 10 people with degrees she's 23 with nothing no qualifications she's now a town planner and i think man if she finished school if she went to university she'd be she'd be doing well to, and you just see we just hung in there for 10 years with her i love you i love you i love you I love you, and we build a relationship, and we have a fantastic relationship now. But it, it was 10 years of enduring to see her succeeding in life, to see our relationship flourishing. Um, but what it forced to grow in me, because it was like, God, I don't know how to parent this daughter that I love. It's not working. You know, it's interesting if you flick out. I don't know if you realize that the start of this chapter, um, he begins with the picture of a marathon race and of witnesses and running this race that's a marathon. And, and he invites us, number two, to fix our eyes on Jesus, verse two. This, look at this. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning at shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition. Did you know there was some stuff that Jesus just had to endure? It wasn't nice. He didn't like it. He didn't want it. But to get to where he wanted to go, there was some things he just had to endure that God called him to endure for the sake of the good. If Paul had to endure hardship, if Jesus had to endure hardship, where do we get the idea that it would be different for us? Look up the next one. So if we're called to endure hardship as discipline, what do we go? Oh, so we just pick ourselves up by our bootstrings and head out the door, and we're just gonna, we're just gonna, gonna, you know, like the little train. I think I can. I think I can. I'm just gonna go, 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 go. It'll probably last till about two o'clock when you get tired again. So what? Do you, the good thing is, it's not just like go and do it. Yeah, rah, rah. The end of the section finishes with a therefore, which is like, the, this is what you do then. And he, say, he says two things. Strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees and make level paths for your feet so the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. Two things, a positive thing. If you're going to endure this, you're going to have to put strength into you and you're going to have to remove the obstacles out of your way. So it's not just like rah, rah. There's actually something to be done if you're going to endure you know, I like uh, one of the best sermons I've ever heard was from Pastor Helen Monk, who talked about 
um, Noah's flood. And so, you know, we all go through storms in life and, and you're just hanging on and survive. But she made an interesting point. She said, it wasn't so much the 40 days of the storm, it was the 150 days of being becalmed after the storm. You ever been through a storm and it's not so much the storm, it's like, well, the ministry that fell over or the marriage that came to an end, where am I now? Or the career that, it's like you're becalmed and you're going nowhere and you're lost and, and it's like, wow, there's one thing to ride the storm, there's the other thing to navigate the after the storm becalmed, waiting until the new thing stands out again until the new dream comes. And she said, what do you do when you're becalmed? And, it, you know, in the image of Noah, there's only two things that Noah could do. Shovel in food and shovel out crap. <laughs> shovel in the stuff that's going to feed you. Shovel out the stuff that's going to poison you. Only two things you can do. I can't make the water's going down. I can't make a new world appear. I can't make a new plan. I just, I'm responsible to shovel in the food to strengthen, and I'm responsible to get rid of the toxic stuff that's going to poison my world. That's all I can do. And, and there's a similar thing here. Strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so the lame may not be disabled. So first one, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. It's like, it's the image of someone who's been running a marathon and now their knees are starting to give and their arms, they've got no strength. And it's like, you're going to have to get strength back into you. Here's a question. Who does the strengthening? No one risked it. I was at a church uh, a couple of weeks ago, preached about this, and someone goes, a little kid in the front row goes, Jesus! And you go, 99% of the time in church, that's the right answer to the question. This is the one time it's not. Because it says you strengthen yourself. You have to know what builds strength in your life, and you need to do more of that. You need to know what would put stuff back into your life, and you need to do that more. Um, a while ago, I was just driving home from work one day, and out of the blue, I felt God say to me, prepare to be overwhelmed. And I was like, what does that mean? Like overwhelmed with suddenly all these blessings going to fall out of heaven, it's going to be great. That would be quite a good option. But there was another option that I looked at, did a Google of overwhelmed, that it's kind of like a flood, you know, and, you're not co and your normal systems of dealing with things don't cope anymore. I thought, that doesn't sound so nice. And within 12 hours, I knew it was the second one because bad stuff started happening. And, and as I thought about it, I thought, he said to me, you prepare. Like, you need to know that your normal ways of coping aren't going to be enough in this next season. So you need to put stuff in place to get you through the season when your normal ways of coping aren't going to be enough. So I need, to, I need to know what builds strength into my life, and I need to take responsibility to do more of that to navigate a time of hardship. I need to take responsibility to strengthen myself to get through this hard time. Maybe it's like, you know, if, if, uh, if I usually meet a good friend for coffee once a month, maybe I say, hey, in the next six weeks, could we just meet weekly? Because I just, I just need to build some more stuff in my life. 
If I normally, yeah, it just, do you see what I mean? It's like I take responsibility to put that in because it's like, it's like the players at half time, you know, they've got to eat the bananas or drink the energy drink. They've got to go, I'm, I've been playing a game. I've taken some, I'm tired. Who knows you get tired going through hardship? No, not many. When you don't have hardship, it's all great and life's wonderful. When you go through hardship, it's draining. And he's saying, you need to know what puts strength back into your life, and you need to up the ante on that and do more. But the second thing, verse 13, oh, sorry, go back, is make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. Again, I said my wife's into half marathons and stuff. She tells me that you just get into this rhythm where just like stepping up over a little gutter would be enough to throw you your rhythm because you're tired, you're just carrying on, and it's like... And, 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 and so he's like, hey, you just need to get rid of the, the little obstacles that normally wouldn't trip you up when you're fine, when you're tired and you're exhausted and, you're, and, 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 and they, you, need to be, you need to be careful to get rid of them. And it says so that the lame may not be disabled. It's, it's assuming that you've taken a blow. I'm actually carrying a bit of an injury. I'm trying to run it off. And so I need to be more careful to get rid of the obstacles because if I'm fine and, I'm not, and I haven't taken some hits, it wouldn't be a worry. But when I'm, so that it's acknowledging the lame may not be disabled but healed. It's like, it's acknowledging, God, I've taken a blow. I'm going to try and run this off and put strength back in me so I end up standing tall again. But I acknowledge that when I'm carrying an injury, I'm more likely to trip and actually end up disabled. It's, what do I mean? I mean, it's like this. When I'm in a good space and I'm out for, not me, you hypothetical person. When we're in a good space and, and we're out at a restaurant or pub or whatever and you, and you catch someone's eye across the room, you probably just look away and carry on. But when you're tired and hurt and lonely, the promise of comfort is likely to take you to a place that disables you rather than heals you. Do you see what I mean? I need to be more careful to get rid of the little obstacles. When I'm feeling not valued and hurt, the thought of just fudging some stuff with the money, a petty cash or stuff, is like, I'm just, I'm so unappreciated. They should have been paying me more. Who cares? Well, I finally found someone who actually values me. Do you see what I mean? He's saying, when you're under hardship, it's saying, hold on, I need to re- take responsibility to build into my life the good things. I need to take responsibility. The little things that wouldn't normally trip me up, that thing that someone says to me that just hurts and makes me bitter, that when I'm in a good space, it wouldn't have even, I wouldn't have even noticed. I would have laughed it off. But I'm carrying an injury. And so these little things are likely to trip me up and take me down. And so he's like, just do those two things. Flick up the next one. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, twice in this passage, it quotes from the Old Testament, so they didn't have the New Testament. So this is effectively saying, hey, go to the Bible, read your Bible. The interesting thing is, if you were going through hardship, if, you, if someone you knew was going through hardship and you wanted to suggest that they read something from the Bible, I wonder where you would get them to read from. You know, some of the nice Psalms, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, Psalm 91, about living under the shadow of his wing, all that. 
Look at where the writer to the Hebrews goes. So that, if you, where's that from? Flick up the next one. It's from Proverbs chapter 3. And you flick up the next one, that sentence that we just unpacked. Flick up the next one. Make level paths for your feet. Flick up the next one. It's from Proverbs chapter 4. Isn't that odd that when, he wants to, when he's writing to people who are going through hardship, the place he wants them to go is the book of Proverbs. Why the book of Proverbs? Like, that's not where I, if I was counseling someone going through hard times, I wouldn't suggest that they spend a lot of time in the book of Proverbs. That's why this guy's smarter than me. Why? Because if we flick up the next one, the whole chapter is, blessed are those who find wisdom. Proverbs is about wisdom. See, when we are going through hard times, we think our greatest need is comfort, but it's not. Our greatest need is wisdom. It's like, I have got to navigate my way through there. God will bring his comfort. God will bring his breakthrough. My job is to walk with wisdom through this. And my greatest need would be to dig down into how do I live wisely at this time so I don't mess up. You know, because if you go on to the, it talks about how wisdom is more precious, but this long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, all her paths are peace. This, she is a tree of life. I gotta find life in this. This is just, this is hard. I've gotta take hold of life. And so this, those who hold her fast will be blessed. It's like, I've got to hold on more tightly to living wisely now. When everything's sweet, it's all like, just do what you like. You know, fill up the supermarket trolley with whatever. Kids want to, yeah, whatever. But when I'm going through hardship, I've got to be more te- intentional. I've got to, God, show me how to live wisely through this. I don't know how to handle this person at work. I don't know what to do about this situation in my school or in my sports club. I don't know what to do about this relationship with this person in my extended family. God, help me to be wise. That is a counterintuitive prayer. Because our default thing is to be looking for comfort or looking for breakthrough. But the first thing you need is wisdom. Those areas where your thumb wasn't up, God, give me wisdom to walk through this area. Look up the next one. So let's, let me just show you in, just quickly, the writer to Hebrews, writing to this whole community, some of the things that he would have said were wise. And that, interesting, they're passages that we often read in terms of being strong, heavy rules, but they're actually wise advice to people going through hardship. So it affects how you read it. So the book of Hebrews is written probably to a group of Jewish Christians. Um, so they were Jews, they become Christians. It was all sweet because you're allowed to be uh, practicing the Jewish religion in the Roman Empire. But at a certain point, the Jews went, no, they're not part of us. And suddenly the Romans go, who are they? We don't like things we don't know. And suddenly you got into trouble and you went through hardship through, for being a Christian. And the temptation for Jewish Christians was to go back to, to just being a practicing Jew. Okay? So, so this is some of the advice. Some verses that we would know but not read in context. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. What's... What's the most natural, automatic thing that you do when you go through hardship? You don't feel like hanging around at church. 
You go, oh, they're all so positive and happy, clappy. My life's just not like that right now. I just don't, I don't feel like going. That is normal. That is natural. It's just not very wise. The wise thing would be to lean more into it. Do you see? I'm not trying to do a sales pitch. This is the wisdom of people going through hardship, going, wouldn't you lean more into your... Wouldn't you be more intentional about being strengthened by connecting with people rather than hardship? Because what happens? Hardship, we isolate. We withdraw. We go into our cave. We batten down the hatches. The writer's saying... That's normal, natural. It's just not very wise. Next one. He says this. Um, we got the next one. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so some of it shown hospitality to angels. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them, and those who are mistreated as if you... He's like, again, what's the other thing we do? Oh, I'm just not in a really good place now. I just need some time out from the kind of serving thing. Again, he's like... That's really natural and normal. It's just not very wise. The wise thing would be to lean in to keep doing the basics of, of serving the, the needy. But we, the normal thing, which unfortunately Proverbs doesn't flick between normal and spiritual. It flicks between wise and foolish. Just saying... The wise thing would be, hey, I'm really, my, my faith is, I'm really struggling. I just, I need to keep connected doing the basics. I probably don't even feel like being at church, but I, I'm going to, I need to keep being part of the hosting team just because I've got to keep myself in the zone. Next one. Yeah, he says this, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Christians have always realized that the main ethical issues in life were money, sex, and power. Again, it's like when you're going through hardship, be careful around the issues of money and sex. Duh. You know, you're likely to do something dumb in those areas when you're going through hardship that you would never have done when you're in a good place. The very fact that you're tempted should set off alarm bells that I'm not going well. Treat it as an alarm bell to get help, help to lean in more, to get input, because you want to endure hardship. You don't, when you're carrying an injury, want to trip over and end up disabled. And rather than going through six months of dealing with hardship, then there's a whole process of years of he healing the damage that you did because of dumb stuff you did when you were carrying an injury. It's like, do you see what I mean? The whole, it's how to live, I need to live wisely when I'm going through a hard time. And then finally, the last one, you know, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Don't be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. Again, what's the normal thing we do? We back off from church, we withdraw from sermon, we do some dumb things. But we also start looking around at other groups and churches because it's like, this is not really doing it for me now. And it's like... The, Think about the leaders who have stood the test of the time with you. Think about leaning more to what's got you to the point. What, this is, but this is not a good time to go looking for other new things because the old thing doesn't work anymore. No, you're just going through a hard time. Wisely, you would lean in to what has got you to this point. 
Makes sense. Okay, next one. So this is a, this is an, I think this is a really interesting perspective. Endure hardship as discipline. Can I get the musicians back up? I reckon God wants to minister to some people who are in the middle of hardship. Because you want to get through this, eh? You want to be stronger at the end. You want to be closer to Jesus. You want to be more a person of peace and holiness and righteousness. You don't want to trip up. You don't don't want to make some unwise decisions. And you don't want to be broken by it. And you don't want to be wearied. But you want to build strength back into your life. And you want to go through this thing. Can I invite you to stand? Now, there's an interesting... um, uh, verse, if we could just get the keyboards playing probably. There's an interesting verse in the book of Mark about when Jesus was in the wilderness. He doesn't, he doesn't go into the temptations. He just said this. He was in the desert being tempted with these wild animals. There's just things out to destroy us and it's scary and dark. But then it says this, and the angels ministered to him. Wow, can I just encourage you to open to the God's the presence of God? I want to tell you that if you're going through hardship, God has dispatched angels to minister to you. They are here this morning to minister into your life so that you can endure and you can get through this thing and you can get to the other side and you can have a testimony that I walked through this thing and God kept me and somehow I managed to keep living wisely and not mess up. And I had to dig deep and I had to tell, call out to God and go, God, I don't know the way through this. But he brought me to the other side. And now I see the, the fruit and the victory of having walked through that thing. And God, God has sent his Holy Spirit and his angels to minister to you this morning. because he loves you as a child. He hasn't sent this thing to punish you. He hasn't even necessarily sent it. Stuff just happens. But he wants to use it. Because he has a dream for your life. And he knows there's certain things that are only built into your life. when We've got to dig deep. I just want you to start being, begin to open your heart to the sense that God is going to minister into this area. I don't know what that ministry, it doesn't necessarily mean he comes and makes it go away, but he ministers to you. For some of you, that means he puts comfort in. He just comforts you. He tells you, I know how hard it is. Other, he gives you a download of wisdom, like this is how you need to deal with the situation. But I know that he's here this morning and he wants to minister to you.